I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Before I begin, I want to be very clear. The content within this episode contains information discussing sexual abuse of a child, domestic violence, and incarceration, which some listeners may find triggering. I also want to state that this is my experience. I don't pretend to know what anyone has or is going through. I'm aware that the events I am about to discuss can happen to anyone, and I'm aware that every situation is different. But today, I will be sharing my personal experience and my journey. So where I left off the last time was talking about Stockholm Syndrome and how that relates to me. Well, from the time I was 12 and the abuse started happening, there was a progression and... In the beginning, it wasn't something that I wanted, but as time went on, it felt like I was in a relationship with this person. He said all the right things. He gave me the attention that I obviously needed. He would say things like, you know, I, I know this is wrong, but I just feel a connection to you and you're so much more mature than other people, other girls your age. So over time, it became normal. And I think for me, that's where a lot of the guilt came. The guilt came in the beginning from feeling that I liked the attention. And later on in life, I went to a massage therapist slash cranial sacral therapy. And in a session that lasted about two hours, that's what came out. I felt so much guilt for liking the attention. He was someone who knew exactly what to say and what to do to get from me what he wanted. And all he wanted was to control me and have a sexual relationship with me. He didn't care about me, even though I thought he did. At 12, 13, 14, 15, I just felt that I really knew nothing different than this messed up situation that I was in. I remember all of the times that he would tell me I wasn't allowed to do something or he would be angry if I went anywhere with anyone. 
I stayed at their place quite a bit. And at one point, if memory serves me correctly, he tried to become my legal guardian through social development, social services at the time. And he actually called and quit school. He called when I was in grade eight and said, she won't be coming in at all. She's done. And nobody called. It didn't, I don't think, even raise any red flags, and I'm not sure why. But again, it was a different time. I didn't speak up and say what was going on and how I felt because I was ashamed. I was fearful. And I think that's why we don't. It is so hard to bring that to the forefront because of the ridicule because of the shame and the you know way you feel about yourself was it my fault did I do something to create this did I wear a short skirt I must have given something off for him to pick me. And that's absolutely not true. I did nothing wrong. And for those who can't bring themselves to come forward, I get it. I had people say to me, people that were very close to me say why did you keep going back people who have not been in that situation can't even begin to understand because it's such an unhealthy thing so I tried to explain over the years and felt that people just didn't get it so one night I stayed was staying at his place at the time him and his wife's place and babysitting I'm not sure but it was throughout like Christmas and because it was New Year's Eve and I had gone out with friends and I was at this point trying very hard to get away from him, to break free. I didn't want to be with him anymore. It was so abusive and I just felt that I was growing and trying to stand on my own two feet and just needed rid of this situation. So, like I said, I was out with friends and when I went back to their place I was quiet because there was everybody was asleep and it was dark and I didn't turn on any lights and I remember getting in bed with the two-year-old I slept in the single bed with him there was no place else to sleep and there was a piece of paper on the pillow and I pushed it off and just thought it was something that he was playing with and I got up in the morning, 
left, went somewhere. I can't even remember where I went that day. And his wife found this letter. And the letter that he wrote basically said that he loved me and he wanted to marry me and all of this stuff. So she called my mother and somehow my mother got a hold of me and everything all went crazy. So her perception at the time was that I was having an affair with her husband. Nope, that's not what was happening. I had been sexually and emotionally abused by this person for four years now. So for the next little while, he just showed up wherever I was. And I was staying with a friend just down the road from his place. And we went out one evening and she said, if he shows up here, I'm leaving. So 10 minutes later, he shows up. I didn't see her again that evening, but I was staying at her house. So he drug me out of this place and threw me in a taxi. And the cab driver, remember, he was this big, robust man. And I had a green dress on. And he turned around and he ripped my dress right up the middle. He was sitting in the front seat of the cab and I was in the back. And he kept beating my head against the window. And I remember the cab driver saying, Can you guys just settle this outside my cab? And I just wanted him to help me. But that never happened. So when we got to my friend's house... Her husband was inside with their children and a German Shepherd dog that did not like this man. Obviously, dogs have a sense of people. So as he was paying for the cab, I ran up the driveway. And he came in the house and the man that was my friend's husband was holding on to the dog. And he said, I'll let this dog go. And he said, I just want to talk to Kelly outside. And he said, she's not going anywhere with you. So he proceeded to leave and go up the road, screaming and yelling that he was going to hurt himself. So I called his wife and she's like, oh, is he going to kill himself over you? I said, I don't know. I'm just telling you what he said. So sure enough, he took a whole bunch of pills that day. And the next thing I heard is the ambulance. Again, I want to say this was a different time, but he ended up in the hospital for a few days. And I got a call from a psychiatrist saying, could I come in and have a meeting? I was baffled why they would want to talk to me. But anyway, I went in. It was the strangest thing. And I remember being in a room with his wife and me and the psychiatrist and him and him talking about he just didn't know what he wanted. And that's why he did what he did. I just wanted out of the room. I wanted out of this situation. And I just felt that there was no way that that was ever going to happen. I felt so terrible about myself. I looked in the mirror I was disgusted. 
took a lot of years to look in the mirror and see something different. Even though I told myself this was his fault, not mine. It just wasn't that easy to overcome all of this. It didn't end there. And in my next episode, I will talk about him going to prison and the aftermath. I hope that you will listen. And I hope that you stay with me throughout this series. And see how much awareness we really need to bring to the subject 